very sorry to inform you of this, ma'am. But tonight your daughter and her husband were killed in a traffic accident. It appears the truck hit head-on with another semi headed in the opposite direction. He paused, allowing the woman on the other end of the phone to process the news, and soon she began sobbing and weeping. After a few moments, she calmed her panicked voice and asked the officer one simple question that caused his heart to stop. Her voice cracked as she began to speak. She cleared her throat and started again. What about the boy? Please tell me he's alright. To say his heart sank was an understatement. Boy. What boy? What boy? I'm your host, Michael, and this is Strange and Unexplained. Take them after the helicopters. I feel like I have no idea. Yeah. We can we can try to come back tomorrow. I, I just don't feel like talking right now. I really don't. Nah. Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Where'd it go? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Both of the parents are dead. They're gone. No sight. Andreas Martinez and Carmen Gomez climbed up into the familiar semi that was, on this trip, loaded with about 10,000 liters of sulfuric acid, one of the most corrosive compounds known to man. They departed a small inn around 6 a.m. after having coffee and started towards the uphill trek heading through the Somo Sierra Mountains, a sketchy and winding mountain pass, which is just north of the country's capital of Madrid. The road is lined with warning signs and had multiple pull-offs for big trucks to control speed. As they ascended the hill, everything seems to go as normal. But when the truck reaches the mountain's peak and begins to descend, 
It picks up speed rapidly, so much so that the truck rear-ends another truck, eventually running that vehicle off the side of the road and into a ditch. He passes another car so closely it knocks the mirrors off. Something is terribly wrong. Andreas's truck continues to weave in and out of cars at a dangerous speed. He hits another vehicle in the rear. At this point, the other drivers on the road fear that Andreas' truck is dealing with brake issues and try to just give him space. Andreas finally pulls the truck free from the still-rolling collision, but makes a terrible mistake. He overcorrects and heads into the other lane of traffic at a speed of about 140 kilometers per hour. That's about 90 miles an hour for us here in America. And at that breakneck speed, Andreas hits head-on with another semi. The two vehicles are mangled and overturned. Andreas's tanker ruptures, spilling highly corrosive acid all over the road and causing a toxic cloud in the area. The acid splashes into the cab of the truck. When the police arrive on the scene, they identify two adult bodies in the front of the cab. Both are deceased and beyond help. The driver of the other truck was still alive and was rushed to a nearby hospital where he would make a complete recovery. So the main issue now was the acid. The crash occurred about a quarter of a kilometer from a very large and fast-flowing river, one that would be terribly affected by that much acid. So in order to divert an environmental catastrophe, the crew pours thousands of pounds of sand and lime in order to neutralize the effects of the acid, allowing them to rescue all the other passengers trapped in their cars by the acid spill. Everyone is evacuated, and the spill is contained. Police pull the two bodies from the cab of the truck and identify them as Andreas and Carmen. At this point, Carmen's mother is located and informed about the deaths. When she asks the police how her grandson was, the police were baffled. Carmen's mother informed the police that her 10-year-old grandson, Juan Pedro, was with her daughter and son-in-law when they left on their trip and should have been in the truck. Juan Pedro had ridden with his dad on several occasions, but he had never been on a trip this long. But when he heard his dad was heading north to the countryside, Juan Pedro begged to go. He apparently loved getting out of the city every once in a while. Who doesn't? He and his father agreed that if Juan Pedro got good grades in school, then he would be allowed to come on the trip. Carmen would also come to look after Juan Pedro when Andreas had to deal with business or load and unload trucks, things of that nature. It was supposed to be a nice family trip. Once the delivery was made, they had even planned to spend an extra day exploring the area. No one had known the boy was even in the truck until the phone call was made. Crazy. A search was conducted immediately. A crane is brought in to remove the wreckage because police fear the boy's body is still pinned underneath. However, when it is lifted, they find nothing. The local countryside is also searched with the help of volunteers in fear that the boy was slung from the wreckage but no sign of him was ever found. Then, the horror of realizing they may have buried him in the sand and lime starts to set in. The police and the volunteers spend days siphoning through the debris. The only thing they find is a shoe insole that in fact does not match the shoe size of Juan Pedro. Inside the truck, they do find a few toys and clothing items belonging to Juan, but that is the only evidence they find that points to Juan Pedro was even in the truck at the time it crashed. After falling short of a resolution, the police begin to question anyone who would have seen the Martinez family that day. They find that the family had their last stop together at the inn for coffee, milk, and cake for Juan Pedro. And the waiter there would be the last person to speak with the family while they were alive. Of course, everyone jumped to the same conclusion. 
Juan Pedro must have been dissolved in the acid, and that's why there's no trace of him. However, many experiments were run with animal carcasses, and with the results of these tests, police determined that the body would have to be completely submerged in the acid for at least 24 hours in order to dissolve his entire body. And even then, with every test they ran, there was always something left over. Something remaining, like teeth, bones, nails, hair, some sort of remnants. They also believe that certain aspects of his clothes would have remained, like buttons or synthetic fabrics or zippers, anything. So with zero evidence that Juan Pedro was in the truck at the time of the crash, police begin to explore other scenarios. Reportedly, the truck driver that had been driven off the road by Andreas before the fatal crash claims a couple in a white van stopped to assist him. The couple could not speak Spanish very well, and the driver described them as looking foreign, with blonde hair and fair skin. The couple then leaves, saying they were going to check on the larger crash further down the road. Some sources reported that two shepherds in nearby fields saw a white van stop at the scene of the accident, and remove something from Andreas's truck and put it in the back of the van. However, though police tried, they never found these supposed shepherds, and no other witnesses mentioned seeing the van or the couple. When police finally got a chance to examine Andreas's truck, they uncovered some rather strange things. For one, the truck's brakes seemed to be completely functional and show no signs of tampering or damage. So they rule out the brakes as the cause of the accident. But I want to slam on the brakes of this investigation right here and point out the fact that this truck was on a head-on collision at 90 miles an hour with another semi, and you're telling me there's enough of those brakes left, any type of functionality, the master cylinder, any type of compression, any type of brake lines, uh, is there anything left to even, to even look at? Especially in the front of the truck, which would be the most important area. Um, what... Would there be anything left to even examine the brakes? That just, that seems odd to me. Seems odd. But then, there was the truck's tachometer. The instrument that measures the revolutions per minute, or RPMs, was examined. It was confirmed that the family stopped at three known spots before the mountain pass. Apparently they could tell that by the tachometer. Odd. Uh, another thing that was odd was the additional 12 times they stopped during the ascent, with one stop even lasting 20 minutes. This led a lot back to brake or engine issues, but every examination of the truck, according to reports, came back consistent that there were no discernible issues. Again, I don't know how you could diagnose that there were no engine issues when the engine compartment is without a doubt crushed, right? Am I missing something here? Anyways, but during this time in Spain, heroin trafficking was expanding and becoming a problem with long-haul truckers in the area. So some speculated that maybe Andreas was transporting something that may have had a timeline that caused him to risk the erratic driving. I seriously disagree here. This was not erratic driving. He was smashing into things to slow down, allegedly. But the waiter at the inn that they stayed at claims the couple didn't seem to be in a hurry that morning. And if they were, they didn't let anyone else know. He saw their truck pull out of the parking lot, but couldn't say for certain um, if all three people were inside or not. A newspaper in Spanish had printed several years after the crash that traces of heroin had been found inside the truck. Some sources say it was in the tanker with the sulfuric acid. Others claimed it was found outside the cab. Either way, it was never confirmed by police. Besides, Andreas and Carmen had recently purchased the semi, and they bought it pre-owned. So it's very possible that any heroin that was ever in the truck had nothing to do with the couple at all. 
The police investigated the drug angle extensively, though, including digging through Andreas' business files, but they found no connections, neither through his work or personal life. Now, going back to the supposed white van that was seen at the crash, is it possible they removed drugs from the truck before authorities could be contacted? Nevertheless, every investigation came back clean. As far as anyone knew, the Martinez Gomez's were not involved in trafficking or drugs. What else could explain all the stops in the mountain pass or the suicidal behavior of driving down through a mountain pass like the brakes don't exist, though? Right? What could explain this? Of course, there are a few theories um, from your very consistent and ambitious internet sleuths that are all over the place. Here's a few that we found. One theory that was offered up was that perhaps instead of car trouble, it was stomach trouble that caused the truck to pull over 12 times. Hear me out. It's most likely that Juan Pedro was the one sick, since he was the only one seen eating at the inn. He had an odd breakfast of cake, uh, <laughs> so perhaps it did not agree with him. It's possible Andreas was in a rush to get Juan Pedro to a doctor or at least a bathroom, but I just don't believe a veteran truck driver would push his luck so much over an upset stomach. Now, with that being said, some have offered that perhaps the white van seen at the crash was not looking to help, but actually caused the event. Had they grabbed Juan Pedro while the truck was stopped? This could explain the erratic driving. Perhaps he was chasing someone. Maybe that's why Juan was never found. Or perhaps it was some sort of road rage incident, and they were just taking the boy from the truck afterward. Who knows? Shit, maybe these people were really just people driving by in a white van. No one knows. And somehow, over 35 years later, we still do not know what has happened to Juan Pedro. Theories, conspiracies around this case are numerous, and all of them seem very much as possible as the next. That's what makes it so perplexing, and also aggravating at the same time. Did Juan Pedro get thrown from the window and splashed with acid, then attempting to wash off the acid, he runs over to the river's edge and is swept away? Perhaps, who knows, because of other injuries he's sustained, uh, he could have passed out or suffered a concussion. It was stated in several of the articles that there were only two safety belts in the truck cab, and that was the two belts that the adults were using. So Juan Pedro obviously wouldn't be strapped in the vehicle. So being ejected from the vehicle seems very likely in a 90 mile per hour crash. Another theory was Andreas and Carmen were working for the mafia and helping transport heroin through the mountain pass while their son rode alongside. Were they running from someone? Who knows? Is this somehow connected to child trafficking? Or does it have nothing to do with any of these, and instead, it was just as simple as Juan Pedro was lost in the acid that day? But why was nothing found of him? Right? Some of the news outlets claim that a witness came forward a few weeks later, claiming to have been approached by a woman who seemed to be foreign and sporting the same blonde hair, pale skin combo the other witness had seen. She didn't speak good English, and claimed she was a refugee fleeing Israel. She was asking for directions to the nearest American embassy. This woman was accompanied by a foreign man and a 10-year-old boy. The boy fit Juan Pedro's description, and the witness claims the boy spoke with an accent familiar to the one the boy would have had. However, this witness statement probed to no avail, and nothing was ever discovered. And no such couple was ever reported to the embassy with a child of Juan Pedro's description. It seemed to all the other truckers on the road that Andreas was having brake problems and he was attempting to slow his speed by rear-ending the trucks and that perhaps there was just nothing he could have done to avoid catastrophe. But the evidence has proven that theory false and we are still left with the enigma. If his brakes were working, then why was Andreas driving so erratic? 
what happened in that truck, and where the hell is Juan Pedro? Okay, so I guess it's that time, huh? Um, God, it just, it's hard to believe that something nefarious wasn't involved here. Some type of outside source. Maybe they weren't drug runners, typically, but maybe they had a good opportunity. Maybe they met someone at a rest stop, um, and they were given an opportunity that they really couldn't refuse. Maybe along the way. And then something happened to their truck. Maybe another drug cartel or another runner got word that they were running drugs and sabotaged their truck. The truck wrecks. The people were tracking them, the people in the white van. And they stop by, they take the drugs. The child is slung from the vehicle, lands somewhere, but is still conscious. And he's a witness. He knows they had it. He can identify the people that they've probably worked with. The child has to come with them, correct? So even if he was semi-conscious, if they even thought that he could be alive, if he had a heartbeat when they found him, which they were on the scene early, if he had a heartbeat when they found him, then they would have taken him, surely. Or if he was breathing at all. Um, and then who knows what they did with him? Who knows? Maybe he, maybe they raised him. Um, that's best case scenario, but this this is all just my opinion, of course, you know, it's this part of the show. Um, it just kind of adds up a little bit more, you you know, the witness testimonies of the white van, it's just, it's too, comes up a little too much, uh, the blonde haired people, and then it is odd that they were looking for an American embassy with, um, or at least they were spotted, um, looking for the American embassy with a small Hispanic child. That is odd, um, if indeed that was them. But that could have been any, that could have been any, you know, European couple um, adopting a Hispanic child or anything like that. But it is odd that they say 10-year-old and he matched uh, Juan Pedro's description. I think those people took whatever precious cargo was in that truck as well as Juan Pedro. Or maybe Juan Pedro was the cargo they were after. I don't know such a strange story so odd um in fact i may be even more excited to hear the lauren synopsis this week than usual so without further ado let's get into it let's see what lauren thinks about this week's strange and unexplained it's time for lauren it's time for lauren synopsis breaking down the case like breaking down the case like cardboard boxes it's time for lauren it's time for Lauren Synopsis, breaking down the case like, breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren, it's time for Lauren Synopsis, breaking down the case like, breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. What's up people, Lauren here, here to give my thoughts on this week's Strange and Unexplained. The more than 30 year old mystery disappearance of 10 year old Juan Pedro Martinez who disappeared from the Somo Sierra Mountain Pass in Madrid, Spain, on June 25th, 1986, at 6 a.m. He was delivering, uh, his father was delivering, he was a truck driver, a large load of sulfuric acid. 
and something happened on the drive. There were several stops made that were unplanned. The truck began driving erratically and collided head-on with another vehicle at over 80 miles per hour, killing Juan's parents on the uh, on the spot. Uh, they were ejected and killed. There was a obviously a disaster because there was sulfuric acid all over the ground. I believe there was even a small explosion that occurred. Um, but nonetheless, Juan, young 10-year-old Juan Pedro Martinez, was never seen, was never found. Police didn't even know that he was in the vehicle until they called a family member. Um, and when they went to check the vehicle again, they were unable to find his body or any sign of him. Um, there was a river very close by, um, and there was, you know, many theories that have gone around. Maybe he, uh, was severely injured and wandered off in a daze, uh, fell into the river. I tend to lean towards this being foul play, some sort of a kidnapping. I don't think he was in that truck. I think his father was driving erratically because he was chasing after their son's abductor. Uh, they were at breakfast that morning. That was the last place that they were all seen alive was, uh, I think they were at some sort of a pancake, a pancake house. Um, they were seen by the staff, uh, at the diner and, you know, leaving in the truck. Um, but there's no, you know, there was no witness saying that they for sure saw Pedro get into the truck with his parents. They saw the truck leave the parking lot. Um, but it's very possible that someone abducted him. That's why his father was driving erratic. That was very out of character for his father to do that, you know, and it it doesn't make any sense for a family man to drive erratically like that and put his family at risk and other people at risk like that. I think their son was abducted and they were chasing after whoever abducted him and ended up being, you know, when you're going that, that, uh, large of a speed in a large truck carrying all of that fluid, it's easy to lose control. Um, and that's when the crash occurred. Now there was the, uh, Norwegian people, the tall people that, uh, were seen by witnesses arriving at the crime, at the uh, scene of the accident and supposedly seen taking a small package out of the vehicle. I mean, it's, it's hard to say whether that's true or whether that was, you know, a conjecture or some made up story. Um, there was talk of maybe, uh, Juan's father being a drug smuggler because there was a small trace of heroin or cocaine, uh, in the, in the truck, but that was later debunked because there was another sample sent off to a lab and that was, you know, denied as being, being drugs. Uh, I don't think there's any validity to any of that. I, I think the most likely scenario is young Juan was kidnapped. His, his father was chasing after him and a terrible accident happened. Although it doesn't explain all the stops that they, they had the, um, di- diagnostics or, the records uh, from like the chip in the vehicle, and it, it showed that they had made several stops on the uh, the drive, the way up the mountain pass, like twelve stops, which is abnormal. Sometimes truck drivers do make a couple stops, apparently, on the way up mountain passes, but not anywhere near twelve. Well, was there some sort of a family dispute going on? The father became enraged and you know became erratic and emotional. Was there some sort of a perhaps there was a medical emergency? That would explain the crash, perhaps, but why would Pedro be missing if this is what happened? Uh, it, it's the only explanation for me that makes sense is, is Pedro was abducted. That's why he's never been seen again. I know there's been sightings. There's always sightings with missing peoples, especially children that have been missing for you know decades. There's there's always sightings, um, and usually you know a lot of them, unfortunately, are, are not legitimate. Um, there was one that was that was quite interesting where. I believe it was an Iranian couple were trying to uh, 
get exiled to the United States and they had a young boy who spoke Spanish who looked exactly like Pedro. Um, that one was, was interesting, but uh, I don't know that we'll ever know the truth. I don't know if, the, if Juan will ever be found. Hopefully, hopefully, but yeah, it's, this is a definitely bizarre case. Definitely interesting. And the only thing I, I can think of that makes sense is he was abducted. So that's my thoughts. Tragic case. Hope you guys enjoyed it. See you next week. All right, all right. Thank you, Lauren, so much for that synopsis. And I must say, uh, that theory has a lot of weight to it. I really like that theory a lot, that he was chasing the kidnapper already. So they already had Juan Pedro. So he was never in that truck to be to be uh, slung out of it. Hmm, interesting. So why would they go back by the accident? Maybe just to confirm that they were dead? Or maybe... They left something in the truck when they were kidnapping Juan Pedro or wanted to wipe the truck of something. Who knows, right? Because they knew the truck was going to be investigated because of this collision. They see it. They go back. Maybe they fix the truck up. Or maybe this blonde people with the van have nothing to do with this whatsoever. And Juan Pedro was taken by somebody else completely out of the picture and unwitnessed at the inn. Who knows? Who knows? Man, what a crazy story. And, um, you know, I genuinely hope you guys enjoyed the retelling of it. I hope you enjoyed the knowledge of it. I think some people uh, misconstrued what I and Lauren say uh, after a terrible episode, or what we mean, rather, when we say, we hope you enjoyed this. We, we don't hope that you enjoyed uh, this terrible event that happened to this person, but obviously you enjoy podcasts, right? You enjoy the retelling. You enjoy learning the information. That's what I mean, Okay. I'll get to that review later uh, that brought that to my attention. But guys, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you listening. And I appreciate those of you have, who have chose to join Patreon. Um, in the last week, it's been, it's been awesome. We've had four new patrons in the last week. I want to give a big thanks to Pete Blake, uh, David Leslie, Emily Kate, and Chance Sherman. Thank you guys so much. Uh, for jumping on board on Patreon. Patreon is growing, guys. We got new content coming all the time. Um, the pat, the episode right before this here on the free, on the free feed uh, is Strange Shorts. If you guys like that, there's 45 other episodes of Strange Shorts available right now on patreon.com slash podcast. There's tons of content on there, guys. Um, also, a few episodes of a show I did for a little while called The Palette Cleanser. I also have Higher Thoughts being uploaded every Saturday. Um, so there was one uploaded just this past Saturday, if you're hearing this on Monday. Uh, Patron Peeps on Thursday. It's coming up, so look out for that. But I want to thank you guys so much, like again, for supporting on Patreon is the wheels of this podcast, patreon.com slash podcast. There's links right below the description because... Um, I cover some adult themes and topics on my Patreon. It doesn't show up in search engine for Patreon. So that's just fantastic, right? That helps me so much. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, moving on. Guys, if, if Patreon's not, not for you right now, I totally understand. Another great way to help the show is to go leave a review, okay? Like some fine people have done in the past week. I want to give a big shout out to Name Mama Gave Me. Left me a five-star review. We appreciate that very much. It says, love the stories and the point of view you provide. The victims have a voice in today's world thanks to you. The only bad thing about the podcast is that the Lauren Synopsis jingle is too catchy and it gets stuck in my head. Well, I can't help you there. 
I can't help you there. That is exactly why I did it. So it'd be an earworm. So you're saying these, this random nonsense song while you're at work. And one of your coworkers is like, what is it? What are you talking about? And you gotta be like, oh, it's this podcast. See there, see there, I turn you all into advertisers with mind control music. <laughs> but moving on, I also want to give a big thanks to Savan11, left a five-star review, says, where have I been? What a great podcast. Love the content, things I've never heard of, and I am a true crime podcast devotee. Oh, are you? The host is fun and real and really enjoy the commentary. I have laughed out loud. Keep up the excellent work. Well, I'll sure try. Thank you so much, 7-Eleven. Uh, okay, we got one more from Bethina. Left a five-star review, says, well done. I really enjoy Michael's personality and delivery. He has always done great research. Actually, I think it's his wife who writes, so kudos to her. Yes, huge kudos to her. My wife, Kristen, is also the wheels of the show. This show has a lot of wheels, okay? Um, and she, pre and uh, let's see, what does it say? I think it's his wife who writes so kudos to her and presents the subject matter in a logical and entertaining fashion. The only cringy thing, oh, here we go, is after describing a horrific violent crime, to always hope that we enjoyed it? But I also, but I also know you're just trying to wrap up the show and send it over to Lauren for his comments. Lauren usually has some additional insight into another aspect that might change how the whole thing looks. Overall, great job by all. Okay, first thing, Bethina, I also want to point out that Lauren always says, I hope you enjoyed this at the end of his synopsis as well. But nobody, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we, but I described this earlier. What we mean is that we hope that you enjoyed the retelling. We hope that you enjoyed the knowledge that you gained, the awareness. Not, um, we hope you enjoyed that this child went missing and his parents died. Obviously, none of us enjoyed that. But learning about that, gaining that knowledge, that awareness, that is something you enjoy, obviously, or you wouldn't be here. Right? All right, guys. That's about it. Uh, I'm going to wrap this up. I thank everyone who leaves a review, especially a five-star review, guys. Thank you so much. It may not mean much uh, to the rankings and whatnot uh, in Apple Podcasts, but you know what? It means a lot to listeners. Listeners pay attention to reviews. I know I do as a listener. I always read a few reviews, read a few good ones, read a few bad ones. Go from there, right? So I appreciate you guys helping out so much. Uh, spreading the word on social media. Give me a tag. Check out our merch, guys. Um, as always, links to everything True Crimes Guys Productions is right below the description, as well as links to our amazing music producer that I have on board here at Strange and Unexplained and also with True Crime Guys Productions, IB. There's links to his Spotify page and also Linktree where you can get merch and Patreon and all that stuff to support an amazing independent artist who is making awesome original music and soundtracks that are helping to sculpt our brand here at tcg productions so guys thank you as always and we'll see you next week uh with a new strange and unexplained case and uh just uh remember just uh, keep being strange and uh just don't be strangers okay come come, come come see me next week, next week.